It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, October 18th, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. The Environmental Protection Agency has forgiven pollution events in over a dozen California counties, and some local regulators are using this forgiveness to reach air quality goals. The California Report has the details. Then, after a look at local upcoming weather, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza talks with youth advocate, DJ, and KVMRX Program Director Jai Haynes about a new local initiative of his called Peace Class. That's all before Al Stoller brings us another installment of Al Stoller Explores. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Attorney General Rob Bonta is warning food packaging and cookware companies of their responsibility to comply with a recent law limiting the use of PFAS. Also known as forever chemicals, PFAS are found in countless household items and are linked to cancer and other illnesses. They disproportionately impact lower-income communities and communities of color. Bonta addressed companies at a press conference in Los Angeles yesterday. Consider this fair warning. If we find out that companies are not following the law, are not doing their part to keep Californians safe, we won't hesitate to take action and hold them accountable. The law, which took effect at the beginning of this year, bans PFAS from materials that come in contact with food and requires companies to disclose the presence of PFAS on cookware. Bonta has already sued 18 PFAS manufacturers, including 3M and DuPont. And in more than a dozen California counties, a little-known rule in the Clean Air Act has forgiven air pollution. Not from the sky, but from the record. That's among the findings of a new investigation from the California Newsroom, Muckrock, and The Guardian. Molly Peterson and our reporting partners have the story. It's called the Exceptional Events Rule, and tucked into the Clean Air Act, it's meant to allow local regulators calculating whether a place meets air quality standards to leave pollution out if that pollution was from unusual or natural events. That includes volcanoes, dust storms, and wildfires. Air regulators argue they can't control wildfires or smoke, but health experts point out people still breathe it. And our investigation finds millions of Californians live in places where the Environmental Protection Agency has forgiven bad air days. Places like... Here in San Luis Obispo, I'm Gabriela Fernandez at KCBX. In the eastern part of the county, the EPA allowed local regulators to forgive pollution from wildfire smoke in 2018. I'm Manola Sakaita at CAP Radio. Regulators approved an exceptional event for wildfire smoke in Sacramento in 2012. We've also had smoke pollution since then, like when the campfire turned the sky orange. I talked to a 26-year-old who told me that Sacramento's smoky skies convinced him to become a climate activist. And I'm Emily Zentner with the California Newsroom. An hour north of the Capitol, regulators have removed more than two weeks of smoke pollution from the record in Nevada County, the most in the country. I spoke to Dr. Alinea Stevens, who runs the health clinic at Chapaday Indian Health. She says on smoky days... We see a lot more patients in clinic for things like headaches, lung issues. Sometimes we see higher blood pressure as well. 
With partners at Muckrock and The Guardian, we requested exceptional events from around the country. These are basically arguments that even when wildfire or high winds might make the air worse, they aren't the kind of thing that regulators are responsible for. We also read thousands of pages of correspondence and other records. Here's my reporting colleague Dylan Bergen from Muckrock. We found at least 21 million people live and breathe in areas around the country where the EPA has forgiven pollution from at least one so-called exceptional event, mostly wildfires. And because of wildfires, local regulators are using this rule more often to reach air quality goals. It's kind of like a warning light on the dashboard for the Clean Air Act. Law professor Michael Wara is with Stanford's Woods Institute for the Environment. What exceptional events determinations seem to show is a poorer and poorer fit between the policy we have and the problems it's trying to solve. Wara says the Clean Air Act has saved lives and millions of dollars, but the assumption in the law is that we can control air quality. And climate change is kind of making a mockery of that when it comes to wildfire. Our investigation also found California uses this rule more than any place else. Michael Benjamin heads the Air Quality Division at the California Air Resources Board. We and the air districts in California will continue to take advantage of the exceptional events provisions in the Clean Air Act to try to show attainment. Attainment. That means clean air under the law. Without it, the EPA can withhold money for highways or tighten rules on business. Even so, Benjamin thinks it's time to take a closer look at the Exceptional Events Rule and the Clean Air Act. States who have tried to keep these things separate, climate change and exposure to local air pollution as two distinct things, I don't think they're going to be able to maintain that indefinitely. And I do think that the Clean Air Act should really include climate. In response to our investigation, the EPA maintains it is following the law and points to mandated mitigation plans for places that have exceptional events year after year. Benjamin says he hopes this summer's Canadian wildfires and the smoke they created were eye-opening to D.C. policymakers. Maybe they'll start to think seriously about how to mitigate it, to maybe be willing to acknowledge that we need to do something more. For the California Report, I'm Molly Peterson in Los Angeles. California state prisons and county jails will soon begin allowing incarcerated people to wear religious clothing. That's after Governor Gavin Newsom signed a new state law earlier this month. Sajad Shakur spent 21 years in San Quentin State Prison and is now the owner of Falafel Corner. Shakur is Muslim. He says that while in prison, he would get write-ups for practicing his religion. The practice of that religion conflicted with the policies that they had for grooming and for dress codes. Give an example. They wanted us to shave our beards. They didn't want us to wear our religious headgear. They didn't allow us the freedom to practice our religion. County detention facilities must have the new policies in place by January of 2025. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint, fruit-infused water with no sugar or diet sweeteners with more than 25 flavors including watermelon and pineapple. In stores or delivered from hintwater.com. And... 
Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at SchmidtOcean.org. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, October 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. You can get all your news from across the state on our daily podcast, The California Report. Subscribe, download, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, areas of smoke after 1 a.m., otherwise clear, with a low around 58. Thursday, widespread haze, then sunny, with a high near 88. Thursday night, mostly clear, with a low around 58 degrees. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, some areas of smoke, otherwise clear, with a low around 42. Thursday, widespread haze before 2 p.m., sunny, with a high near 77. Thursday night, widespread haze after 5 a.m., areas of smoke after 11 p.m., then mostly clear with a low around 43. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, clear with a low around 58. Thursday, widespread haze between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m., then sunny with a high near 92. Thursday night, mostly clear with a low around 60. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Positive Elevation Arts, Culture, and Education. That's the acronym that makes up the name and values of the Peace Class. It's a new, local initiative that works to empower a diverse group of young people in our community by giving them a space where they can feel comfortable and supported. Up next, Claudio Mendoza speaks with youth advocate, DJ, and KVMRX program director Jai Haynes about all that his program entails. My guest today is Jai Haynes. He's a multimedia artist, producer, and youth educator who tirelessly works to promote cultural awareness and racial equity. Jai's career highlights include a short film series called What's Up Wellness, editorial work for SP Magazine, and he's also contributed to MTV. Locally, he spearheaded the Youth Ride Against Racism, and he's currently the program director for our sister station, KVMRX, which you can tune into at 105.7 FM or online at kvmrx.org. Thanks for talking with me, Jai. Yes, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Jai, you're a busy man. I know you're into a lot, but the thing that I want people to know about, frankly, is the peace class that you got cooking up. Tell us about what that is. Peace class. Okay, here it is. Peace class, I took the word peace and broken it down into an acronym. So that's Positive Elevation Arts, Culture, and Education. The concept behind that is a sense of empowerment for the youth. I wanted to use a format and using hip hop and music to bridge the connection, my connection with connecting with the youth and create an atmosphere uh, where they can kind of self-explore, commune amongst each other, learn some things, learn that, hey, I'm not so different from everybody else. I want to create a space where if there's disagreements and issues, they can talk about that comfortably and safely where they can have that conversation. Um, and, And maybe... Comfortably is not so much of a great word because oftentimes conversations are uncomfortable, but it's through that level of communication where clear understanding comes into play. So that's what I want to provide for them is a space to do that and to have that. 
specifically for like the BIPOC, Latinx, Asian, uh, and Native American uh, youth in the area, because that group of individuals is kind of like uh, the underserved, if you will. Um, they often face a lot of challenges, even our biracial kids, a lot of challenges with regards to being bullying, fitting in, and racial slurs. And they often feel lost with that. I've had multiple families and friends and so forth and people that I know whose kids have grown up here talk about that struggle, as well as as many kids that I know have left. And that, you know, that's upsetting because everyone should have the right to to exist in their own and space and whatever that looks like, their own universe, if you will. Um, and that's one of the things that I want to be able to help address and talk about. And as well as equipping them with de-escalation techniques, if they have to be faced with levels of uh, microaggressions or racisms, and then their friends, um, their allies. How can I support my friend in this moment who just experienced this horrible thing, whether it's a slur or, you know, someone, you know, teasing them or what have you, any one of those things. So that's how the piece came about. It just came out of a need um, that I was getting hit with from those who lived in the community. Like, man, we need somebody to help facilitate this. And I was like, yeah, you know, I have the experience working with youth. Um, that's definitely my passion, my purpose. Let me put something together. And here we are. I want to talk about that because, you know, I'm familiar with the art that you create. You're a DJ for mm -hmm. KVMR as well. B-Boy yep. Supreme. Yep. Yep. Tell me about the experience that you've had with youth education right. and, and how you got into that. Well, you know, it was one of those things. Um, Back in 99, I needed a job. A friend of mine was working at a residential facility for boys and girls, the, or the residential facility housed boys, um, 99 kids. They had a sex offender uh, unit. There was a gang unit. And then there was a couple of units that we kind of considered the younger, younger kids in like general population. All these kids were on probation. I applied for the job at a need. I had no idea. Uh, where it was going to take me or that it would even turn into a career. The more I got into it, the more I was like, this kind of feels good and it comes naturally. I couldn't really understand that initially. Um, I felt, if anything, maybe just kind of coming from my own upbringing. Um, you know, my mother raised two kids, myself and um, my sister, as a single parent. So I think that's where it kind of emulated or came from. But then I think this that thing in me, sometimes we don't realize we have these things. We kind of fall into something that falls very natural to us. So that's kind of how it got started. You touched on this, but who is this intended for? As I mentioned, Native and Latinx and Asian. But it's really for everybody because through communication, this is how we solve problems. If we look at the current society that we're in, if we look at a lot of things that's been going on from the past eight years, from political, even within our communities, all these things occur out of lack of opportunity and communication and feeling a sense of belonging. So it's everybody. You know, if you are um, bullied, you know, you need to feel empowered. You may need someone to talk to who can understand that and to empower you so you can in turn come from this position where you're not always being bullied. Maybe you struggle with talking with your parents. Maybe you struggle just advocating yourself. For anything, maybe you're a biracial kid and you, you are struggling to fit in, which is a very common thing. So it's for those individuals. It's for that person. And it's for people who just want to say, hey, I want to meet some friends. 
I love music. I love hip hop. Let me see what this is about. Because we'll be having workshops where we'll talk about hip hop. We'll analyze lyrics. We'll, you know, do things artistically. I have, um, you know, workshop facilitators that are standing by, you know, ready to carry out these various workshops. So tell me where and when the Peace Class meets. So currently the Peace Class is meeting here at the KVMR Community Room. We do it so far about once a month on a Saturday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Um, I usually send out uh, a flyer uh, informing, you know, the public when the next one is. That's when that's when the next one would be. I haven't nailed down the date yet, but that's that's where it's being held. We do have a permanent facility that's all in the works right now. Fundraiser and everything is in the works. So we will be moving forward. Finally, why don't you tell us how people can get more information? How can they contact you? Mm-hmm. When it comes to the Peace Club, we have a social media page. That's the one thing that I put together. Okay. Um, and you can find us on Instagram. Just type in the Peace Class. It's like a P.E.A.C.E class uh, 456. So Peace Class 456. Or you can call our hotline or the phone number, Peace Class, area code 530 456 0027. Leave me a message. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you would like. I will definitely get back to you if I don't pick up right away. But yes, that number again is 530-456-0027. I will be sending out an announcement and I'll make sure that you get that, Claudio, in regards to a fundraiser that we are looking to put together to continue uh, the program. And so the program will... um, I wanted to keep it. I want the program to last longer than me. And fortunately, through upstate California and Nevada City Grass Valley Arts Council, I was awarded a grant to help me really get this thing facilitated. And with that, I wouldn't be able to uh, get the ball rolling with this. So I got the ball rolling now and we're going to get a fundraiser to create more funding so we can continue to support the program and support the youth and the activities and things they would like to do. I've been talking with Jai Haynes. He's a youth advocate and educator, as well as a DJ and producer. Jai, thanks very much for talking with me, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Peace. Peace. About a century ago, it was discovered that mirror images could be made of matter, almost exactly like ordinary matter, but mirrored and therefore slightly different. Today, we have a name for it. It's called antimatter. Coming up, KVMR's Al Stoller covers the concept of antimatter in its whole in this installment of Al Stoller Explores. That guy I see in the mirror, he looks awfully familiar, but he's also oddly different. When I raise my right hand, he raises his left. Still, though, we do seem pretty much the same. When I bring my finger closer and closer to the mirror, his finger also gets closer and closer. Wait, stop, don't touch that finger in the mirror. Mathematics. Math is mysterious. Suppose I meet two extraterrestrial beings, and then I meet two more extraterrestrials. I can safely predict that I will have met four ETs, even though I've never yet met any. Math lets you make predictions. All the stuff around us that we can touch is made of matter. The atoms inside us are made of matter. In the early 1900s, physicists working with the mathematics of matter made a strange prediction. It could be that there existed a sort of mirror image of the matter of which we're made. It would be exactly like ordinary matter, 
but opposite, antimatter. A decade later, antimatter was found to truly exist. Matter and antimatter are such complete opposites that should they meet, should they touch, they would both be completely destroyed. Both would be annihilated, leaving behind a flash of energy. Could it be that matter and antimatter are opposites when it comes to gravity? Drop a bit of normal matter and it falls down. Could it be that antimatter, if you dropped it, could it be that antimatter would fall up? It's only recently that a team of scientists has been able to perform that experiment. I spoke last week with a member of that team, Dr. Joel Fagens of the Physics Department at UC Berkeley. Antimatter is rare in our world. How many anti-atoms are you dealing with in this experiment? How many of them are falling in Earth's gravitational field? We do the experiment with a hundred of them at a time. A hundred anti-hydrogen atoms, or a hundred ordinary hydrogen atoms, weighs in at close to six millionths of a millionth of a millionth of a millionth of an ounce. Not something that is easy to see. So how do you know where they are? How do you know whether they're falling up or down? How do you know where they are? How do you keep track of them so you know how fast they're falling, how fast they're accelerating as they fall? Well, we actually don't know where they are, and that's one of the reasons why this is a difficult experiment. The only thing we can do is to let them annihilate, blow up. And then they look for the remnants of those tiny explosions. The result, antimatter falls downward. The result that we got was what was expected. But nobody had ever done this kind of direct measurement in which you drop antimatter. There's been a lot of experiments which have used indirect methods. And there's certainly a lot of theory that says that, that, that the, they should drop in the same way as matter. But there's always was a chance that they would do something different. We didn't find that. A lot of effort to come up with something that people kind of knew was what we were going to come up with. But physics is full of null experiments in which people think they know the answer, but they, they need to go out and do the experiment to prove that it's the answer. And Null experiments have a proud and long history in physics. They're really very important because we shouldn't make assumptions for important questions like how does antimatter fall. And now that we've done the experiment, we, we can confirm all of these theories, not that they were seriously in doubt, but there was always a chance that somehow or other it would go the opposite way. I could see the data as it was coming out. And watching it come out with the predictions that I and others had made you know, almost a dozen years ago, was such a thrilling experience that I, I forgot to be... It took me three or four days to remember to be upset that it didn't go upwards, not that I really thought it was ever going to go upwards. Joel, it's been really good talking with you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. It's been a fun conversation. I'm speaking with Dr. Joel Fagens of the Physics Department at UC Berkeley. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, October 18th. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and Fools Brothers Automotive. 
serving the community since 1982, located at 962 Golden Gate Terrace in Grass Valley. Same workmanship, customer service, and community involvement. Online at volsbros.com. And Scraps Dog Bakery at Mountain Mutts, family owned for 19 years providing cat and dog wellness needs, including holistic, organic food, training accessories, toys, and a fresh bakery. Scraps Dog Bakery, next to BNC Hardware in Grass Valley. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening Newscast is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Gem. Have a great night.